following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. There is inherent difficulty in having to lead worship for me. Two things. I have to switch my brain over to the other side to speak. And also calm down. <laughs> so let's take a breath. <coughs> or we'll just get through the sermon really fast, one or the other. Well, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 3. Today we're going to look at verses 7 through 14, and that's on page 858 in the Pew Bibles. Last week, we looked, um, we looked a little bit at the remarkable character, John the Baptist, and his uh, remarkable one-point sermon, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, and today, we're going to drill down a little bit on the practical nature of that one-point sermon and examine uh, exactly what it means to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So let's look at our text, and then we'll dive in. Luke 3, starting at verse 7. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now, the axe is laid to the fruit of the trees, to the root of the trees. Every tree that does not bear Good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then shall we do? And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. Let's pray. Father God, again we thank you for the great blessing and privilege it is to gather freely in your name. We thank you, Lord, for preserving your word and the freedom we enjoy to read it together. We pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would speak, that you would fill up this empty cup and pour out on your people your blessing so that we would mature as disciples of Jesus as a result of our time together today. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So, here we see in Luke chapter 3, John the Dipper preaching his message of repentance to an audience that is made up of two very different types of people. In verses 7 through 9, he's with the brood of vipers, right? How to win friends and influence people. Call them names. Um, (laughs) He's preaching to the religious people that came um, to him, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, like we looked at last week, the religious leaders from Jerusalem that came to find out what this guy in the camel outfit was all about uh, and what he was trying to accomplish out here in the wilderness. Well, today, uh, they got their turn last week. Today, I want to look at the second type of people that, uh, who came out to hear John preach. First, the religious people counting on their outward religion to keep them safe from God's wrath. And now we see repentant people, the people who are genuinely interested in doing what was really necessary to avoid God's wrath. These are anxious inquirers of salvation. I did not do myself any favors with some of these words I chose. Today... uh, Well, there is also a third category of uh, members of John's audience, which is the morbidly curious, uh, and uh, that's Herod, and we'll talk about him a little uh, uh, another time. Today, let's look at the repentant and John's message to them. Um, Have you ever heard the expression, uh, easy believism? Ever heard anyone use that expression before? You obviously haven't been around enough. Um, Easy believism. Joel's dad, uh, Roger Brown, pastor, uh, used that expression a lot. That's where I learned it from. And he has been around a long, long time. So (laughs) I'd say it if he was here, too. So don't worry. Right. Easy believeism. I don't know who really coined the phrase. Maybe Raj made it up. I don't know. But easy believeism is the idea that following Jesus has no cost at all. Um, that all one has to do is agree with the facts that Jesus is real, that he died on the cross for sin and change absolutely nothing about our lives. Now, when at first blush, yeah, easy belief is, and that's clearly not for us. Do you want me to read that description again? Following Jesus has no cost. And all we have to do is believe, agree with the facts that Jesus is real. That he really lived, he really died, he really rose again. And change absolutely nothing about our lives. That's not biblical Christianity, in case you're... Wondering. That's easy believism. And this is not the message that John preached. This is not the message that Jesus preached. And I pray, Lord, help me, this is never the message that I preach. In fact, Jesus said, as recorded in all three synoptic gospels, that's Matthew, John, uh, Matthew Mark, and Luke, the, 
give a synopsis of Jesus' life and ministry. Matthew 16, 24, Mark 8, 34, and Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Well, that's not easy believism. Easy believism denies the idea of repentance, denies the idea of self-sacrifice, denies the idea of the cost of following Jesus. The idea that we should actually turn away from our sinful ways and follow the Lord doesn't, doesn't fit into easy believism. But it certainly does in biblical Christianity, which is what we're after here. It's especially prevalent today that following Jesus is merely a spiritual thing and it has no real relevance on our moral codes or our behavior. You want to believe in Jesus if you want. That's go ahead. That's fine. And as long as you don't have to mess up anything, change life, change anything. Anyone who subscribes to this kind of thinking, I love you all first. Okay, I want to say this in the context of love because I don't know if this is you and I'm not even sure if it's me or not. But anyone who subscribes to this kind of thinking is ignorant of scripture, is ignorant of repentance. This kind of thinking that following Jesus has no cost and nothing needs to change is idolatry. Making a God in an image that is more suitable to us and less offensive than the reality of the God of the Bible and his son, Jesus. If we are not offended by, by God and his word, maybe we're missing it. John's message and John's lifestyle was that of biblical morality. He was calling people to holy living in preparation for Jesus. Holy living changes our heart perspective. To the religious, to those Pharisees and Sadducees, which clearly is not us, right? We're, We're not like them at all. He said to them, don't count on your heritage. Don't count on your connection to Abraham. Don't count on your empty religious rituals. Instead, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. John Calvin wrote, Repentance is an inward renewal of the man, which manifests itself in the outward life as a tree produces fruit. I said last week that we have, uh, I have apple trees in my yard. I've got um, four apple trees. Do you know how I know they're apple trees? Well, to the uneducated in, in the in the late summer, apples grow on them. To the educated, you can tell by the bark and the leaves and the way the branches grow. But you can tell the tree by its fruit. We can tell a repentant life by the fruit that life produces. The reality of what that might look like was the question of the second type of people who came to hear John preach, the repentant. Luke records this group asking three times, what should we do? And I have to admit that as a, look, as a preacher, if I preach a message 
and I know that this has happened countless times. If I preach and we're not left with a question, well, what should we do? Was it just a nice talk? We all feel, well, we did church. Check. That's kind of convicting. Luke records this group asking three times, what should we do? And though on the surface the answer to each question looks the same, if you peel back the layers a little bit, you'll see that his... um, It looks like they're different, but if you peel it back, it's actually the same. Um, Each time, he says the same thing. Look at verse 10. And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. And the soldiers also asked him, and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation and be content with your wages. All right. So you're looking at this and saying, oh, I'm none of these people. I don't fit into any of these categories. You can think that if you want. You're free to be wrong. To the repentant, John's message was simple. Sacrifice your selfishness. Sacrifice your selfishness. This is what denying yourself and taking up your cross daily looks like. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment in the law, what the great, when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment in the law was, in Matthew 22, 37 to 39, His response was simple. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That second commandment, James, right, you James Bible study people, James calls this the royal law. Love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know about you, but royal law kind of makes it sound important. Not like traffic law, which who cares, really? (laughs) Especially during bike week. (laughs) The royal law. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the fruit of repentance. John says, when the crowd asks, what then shall we do? He says, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Well, that kind of puts at least half of us off the hook because we don't have tunics. Tunic is, it's a shirt, everybody. It's just a shirt. goes down to your knees, but whatever, it's a shirt. If you have two, somebody's got none, give me your extra one. You've got extra food. Somebody has none. Give them the extra food. Love your neighbor as yourself. James two fifteen through sixteen says, and I think, and I, I think I read this last week. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, "Go in peace." 
be warm and filled. Doesn't that sound churchy? That's like the churchiest thing you could say. Be warm and filled. Grace be to you and to you as well. James says, if you say to them, go in peace, be warm and filled without giving the things they need for the body, what good is that? What good is that? Several times over the, the past week, um, I've found myself in conversation with different people talking about the golden rule. You guys, anybody grow up with a golden rule posted in your classroom at school? I remember it posted on the wall. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, somewhere along the lines, that got taken down. And you ask kids what the golden rule is now. You won't, you won't get an answer. I don't know what the golden rule is. You know why they took it down? It sounded too religious. Because you know who said it? Jesus. Don't wonder why our schools look the way they do. Things happen the way they are happening in our schools. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If we would only live by that rule. And that's exactly what John is saying before Jesus had a chance to say it. Don't be selfish with your stuff. Instead, love your neighbor. If you have an extra coat and they don't have one, if you have extra food and they don't have enough, love them by sharing with them. Don't be selfish against your neighbor. Love them instead. Don't get caught in the trap that love is just about how you feel. Love is about how you act. Love is about what you do, not what you think. The tax collectors and soldiers were faced with a similar conviction. We want to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. We want in. What should we do? The truth of the matter is, every occupation is faced with its own set of temptations for those who would follow Jesus. There's always opportunity to cut corners or skim off the top or to take advantage of people. Take advantage of situations for your own good in every job, every occupation. I don't care if you're a carpenter or a school teacher or a janitor or a pastor, truck driver, upholsterer. You thought you were off the hook. For the tax collectors, it was inflating the tax rates. This is intensely practical. The government tells the tax collectors to collect 5%, but the tax collectors collect 6% and tell the people it's the government and pocket the extra 1%. Now, those numbers are made up, for example. Everybody knew that the tax collectors did this. They're absolutely powerless to do anything about it because the tax collectors held power over the people. You don't want to pay your taxes? You don't think my tax rates are fair? Let's go talk to the soldiers and they'll throw you in jail. Pay your taxes, right? Romans didn't care that the tax collectors cheated their own people. Just as long as Rome got their share, that's all that mattered. We want 5%. You want the extra one? Whatever. Just do the job. Well, John's message to the tax collectors, stop cheating your neighbors. 
The tax collectors were Jewish people, not Romans. They're Jewish people taxing Jewish people, their own countrymen. They're hated by everybody because they're working for the bad guys, right? Rome was the enemy to them. And John's message to them, don't cheat your neighbors, love them instead. Remember the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in that sycamore tree to see what he could see. And I don't remember the rest of the words. As the Lord passed him by, he looked up in the tree, said, Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going to your house today. It's a great example of a tax collector that repented, right? not just made a snappy song. He repented of his cheating his people, and he paid people back. He paid everybody back what he owed them. If he cheated anybody, he doubled it or tripled or quadrupled. I don't remember. He paid back the people that he cheated. Don't cheat your neighbors. Love them instead. Like I said, with every occupation, there's opportunities to do the same thing, to cheat, to skim, to ask a little more than you really need. Ask a little more than you really should. Take a little more than belongs to you. Don't do it. That's not love. It's not fruit in keeping with repentance. Now, the soldiers that Luke mentions here, we don't know if they were Roman soldiers or Jewish soldiers that uh, served at the temple, like temple guards. We don't know that, and that's not really important. What is important is these are men of, uh, in positions of power and authority over the people, and they use their position and their power and fear and threats of violence and false accusations to extort money from people, from their neighbors. And when, John, when they asked John what they should do, he told them, quit it. Stop, stop extorting. Stop blackmailing people. Stop threatening people to get money. Be content with your wages. Don't squeeze your neighbors. Love them instead. Now, maybe we're not soldiers, but there are times where we have power or authority over someone else. And how we use that reflects what kind of fruit. Fruit in keeping with repentance, loving our neighbors, right? Not abusing our position or our authority to get more for ourselves or to extort or blackmail or threaten anybody. So what shall we do, soldiers? Exercise generosity instead of selfishness. Honesty instead of cheating. And contentment instead of extortion. John Calvin wrote, Let the necessity of our brethren affect us powerfully, and let the bounty of God, which is in our hands, Stimulate us to acts of kindness and generosity. That's what these folks need to do. That's what we need to do. John called the people to repentance, to a change of mind, which is evidenced by a change of behavior. The change of our ways is the evidence of the change of our minds. That's what repentance is. You're going this way and you turn away and go the opposite direction. 
Over here is selfishness and, and, and worshiping yourself and making gods in your own image. And over here is following Jesus, following his example, love. Doing unto others as you would have them do to you. As Alistair Begg said, be different. Simple, right? Be different. So different that people say, something happened to this chap. I'd rather see a gospel than hear a gospel any day. So, what about us? We're not soldiers, we're not tax collectors. What's our takeaway? Be different. Be different. Don't live a life marked by selfishness and pride and bad language and drunkenness and dishonesty. Turn away from your selfish ways and live a life marked by love. Love for the Lord and love for your neighbors. Let us truly do unto others as we would have them do unto us. Let us deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow him. That's exactly the example left for us. That's exactly what Jesus did. He denied himself. He took up his cross. He took up our cross and died in our place. Not so that we could spend the rest of our days in selfishness and pride doing whatever we feel like. But so that we could truly be different through faith in him. With the help of the Holy Spirit. To him alone be the glory in the church both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your promise to not leave us without help. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that allows us to choose the good, to turn from our selfish and sinful ways, to follow you in the way of love and self-sacrifice. Lord, it is in our nature to put ourselves first to put our interest before that of anyone else. And we need your help to put that to death. So they would follow, we would follow Jesus with our whole heart. Not just by wearing t-shirts or putting bumper stickers on our car, but by living a changed life. One that emulates yours. One marked by love. Love for God and love for our neighbor. Help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.